Ray Haynes in teaching today on the biblical day known as the Ninth of Av. And uh, it sounds like the four horsemen are, are riding again. Is is this the <laughs> the end of the age? Well, it isn't. Uh, yeah, it does sound it like It is that. or it isn't? It is not. It no, is not. No, okay, I didn't mean to scare you. So, yeah, there, so there's no confusion. Uh, this is not the Great Tribulation or the end of the world, even here in America, where it seems like everybody's lost their mind and our country's just changed in a moment. This is a glimpse of what it's going to look like, uh, just a small, teeny-weeny glimpse. Uh, much, much worse, though, obviously, in the Great Tribulation, but... We're in the midst of what I like to call a glimpse, and you only get the first four horsemen and the first four seals, uh, and this is what happened in, in spring at Purim, and happening now in this uh, holiday of Bain Hametzarim, uh, Revelation 6, uh, the first horseman, the white horse. I looked in there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow. Notice he doesn't have arrows. And he was given a crown. That's really big. And he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. That's what it's about. And if you look at America today, you look at around the world today, what you're seeing is a spiritual force that is conquering. And, you know, if you go back and just look at the Bolsheviks of World War One, that's exactly what it was where, you know, you know it wasn't really a concern if, the, how, if a hundred or a thousand or a million people die. It didn't matter to them because it was a conqueror bent on conquest. And the Holocaust, six million Jews they didn't look at them as humans. It was a conqueror bent on conquest. And as we go forward, this is just a glimpse. We saw it in the spring, and now we're gonna we see it now. Why did the first horse glimpse occur during Purim? And why did the second wave start with this first horse glimpse now? Well, Purim is the only feast day, specifically and technically a fast day, about a crown. So you have a king and a conqueror that has been on conquest. Well, likewise, this three-week period that ends today, uh, Bain HaMatsurim, is a series of fast days focused on what? Conquest and destruction of the temples and all the bad. These two days, Purim and this three-week period here. And really, Purim wasn't just a one-day event. It, it actually happened over time. So... This isn't a second wave. People say, oh, it's a, more of COVID. Well, not really. Think of it this way. As Christians, of those who with Christ in them, this is not a second wave. It's a second opportunity to fight and win. This is a spiritual battle. This is your calling. The church and the world, we definitely lost the first wave in the spring during the first horseman glimpse. Deception won. Division won. Separation won. It's still winning every day. The church cannot afford to have any purpose other than to shine his light, to love, to forgive, to do everything Jesus did. And to those at the cross, you know, 2,000 years ago, it really looked like he was losing, but he was not. See, we have to be 100% confident of resurrection for ourselves, for the church, and for America. We have to believe in revival as an inevitability, not prepare for a new abnormal. That's just craziness. If in order to win souls, I have to temporarily surrender some rights or wear a mask or endure racial injustice, whatever God's calling is on, uh, affects you with, I need and you need to guard our hearts, to honor those who dishonor us. We need to rightly represent Jesus, and that is going to be the toughest thing this year and this season with this first horseman. Because there's anger that rises up. It's just not right. It's just not fair. Well, there's a military tactic called a tactical retreat or organized withdrawal, sometimes called. 
which has led to brilliant victories throughout history. Washington's escape across the East River after that terrible defeat ended up with future victories. The Allies at uh, Gallipoli in World War I, uh, the miraculous evacuation from Dunkirk in World War II. Yes, those are all tactical retreats, and it allowed them to come together, get them all out of there to safety, to fight again. See, the point of the strategy, strategy is to create unity, not to be isolated and loud in a place of danger. There's not just one way. There are many callings from doctors uniting to police uniting to whatever God's going to call you. Solomon thought this. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And boy, this, these verses speak of today. A time to be born and die. A time to plant and uproot. A time to kill and to, and to heal. A time to tear down and to build. A time to weep and to laugh. A time to mourn and to dance. A time to scatter stones and gather them. A time to embrace and to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and to throw away. Time to tear and to mend. Time to be silent and to speak. Time to love and to hate. Time for war and for peace. I know everything that God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Now, remember the 12 spies and Caleb and Joshua's bold stand, because it happened this day in history, and their words are inspiring. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord was with us. Do not fear them. This day in history, their confidence wasn't in themselves, but God. And, you know, if you have to, put down the news, put down social media, spread lies into your heart, and figure out what God is calling you to do. We're about three weeks from the month of Elul, which will lead to the new biblical year of 5781. You're almost there. And a new year is a good thing. It's time when the king is in the field. It's a really cool month, and I'll begin to teach on it. Uh, he's, Jesus said, is closer than ever before. Do you know they read Psalm 27 every day? And here's how that, that chapter ends. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. See, we need to do everything to encounter Jesus and to do his will. You'll never regret those choices. The thief in the form of this first horseman is stealing and killing and destroying at will. And we seem to be powerless to stop them because we are demanding our rights, justice, and not walking in peace. The first horseman is still conquering on a grand scale, so he will attack authority, rights, freedom, and justice. But this wave, right now, this during these three weeks and going into the future here, this wave will be different. He'll be conquering the areas of our individual compromises where God hasn't been given authority. Now, let me say that again. He'll be conquering the areas of our individual compromises where God hasn't been given authority. This truly is the time to press into Jesus deeply, quietly, and quiet your soul. Well, I did not deal with the identity of the first horseman in the spring. I believe the fruit of his actions, as we look at him here again in the fall, or coming in the fall, as a conqueror, they reveal a lot. There are two prominent falls from grace. You have Lucifer and you have Adam and Eve. What's the source of their falls? Ezekiel 28 tells us of Lucifer, because your heart is lifted up, or proud, and also you are perfect till iniquity. And that word means injustice, unrighteousness, was found in you. As for the garden, Eve talked with that same fallen angel about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in that day you eat 
of itch. Your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and of course, she gave it to her husband. Ultimately, whatever name you call this horseman, this first horseman, some would call him the Antichrist, or an Antichrist in our case, pride, injustice, or knowing good and evil, whatever name you use, instead of life, he has a certain nature. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. You see, we cannot know good and evil without the law, and the law always distracts us from knowing Jesus, who is life, because it focuses us on ourselves what's happening in our streets. Regardless if we are self-righteous or unrighteous, measuring up using standards of what is good and what is bad is the fruit of death because our eyes are completely off Jesus and on ourselves. 1 Samuel 16 reminds us, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, when God does that, he's looking for his reflection. Galatians 4 says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. See, the remedy is the cross. The cure is life in Jesus. Meeting ours or our ex others' expectations that just can't make us feel good. Let me just say it again. Meeting ours or others' expectations can make us feel good even when we're empty, dead, and bloated, yet unable to identify that we're all full of pride. Genesis 1 gives us a great truth. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb, that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind. See, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of what we ate is always death because what we sow, we will reap. Only Christ can rescue us by planting the new seed of life in us because it's always going to repeat according to its kind. Ephesians 2 says that Christ raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The fruit of what God did on the cross replaces our fallen temples and exiled hearts with his presence and perspective inside a renewed heart that is just a new temple. You see, the story of Cain and Abel, Abel understood that his effective hunting didn't bring about God's approval any more than Cain's excellent farming by toil and sweat. You see, blood made the difference, not what either did. Cain's murderous rage was the fruit of the tree of knowledge. Remember, a tree only has one fruit. And the tree of knowledge didn't produce good fruit and evil fruit. It produced one, the knowledge of good and evil. And Antichrist, like this first horseman, is deceiving the world by offering it a false fruit that carries both natures so that what appears good to them and feels right to them is attracting them into following him instead of their calling. And that's all that this is about. And it's easy to get angry and to get frustrated, but it's a spiritual attack. And we need to deal, it, deal with it as spiritual men and women. Coming up, we're going to continue digging in the ninth of Av, and that was no, a lot of deep meat to chew on, but we'll put this on our blog and on our uh, podcast.